Kale & Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Monday morning here on Kale & Company. Nick, Don, and Greg. 855-839-1210. Morning mystery movie clip in about 20 minutes. What's on the cut sheet part due in just about 30. What a show this morning. What a weekend. And it's not going to slow down. New Hampshire uh, primary tomorrow. And then also, I believe, we have another Trump Town Hall this week. So, it's going to be a very, very busy final week and two days for the month of January. All right, so let me get to these uh, crazy school stories. You know, I can't believe this first story in Ohio. Now, look, I've said on this show a couple of times, I think sixth grade, I had a lot of detentions. Seventh grade, I was suspended three or four times. I had a little rough stretch, 6th and 7th grade. I was a pain in the butt to teachers until that my parents finally had enough of me and straightened me out. Um, and, you know, as kids, we all love to, you know, get a snow day, fake that we have the flu, fake that we have the stomach bug, stay home. I mean, there were plenty of times where I wanted to stay home and watch Jerry Springer and watch SportsCenter and not go to school. But I never had a truancy problem. And apparently there is a big truancy issue going on throughout this country. And that was also a, a big-time issue in the state of Ohio. So what is the solution? How do we get kids that maybe grew accustomed to not going to school during the pandemic and getting away with virtual schooling and not paying attention while they're at home on their laptop, supposedly learning in 2020 and 2021? Well, we start paying kids to go to school. And no, I'm not talking about scholarships in college. I'm not talking about elite athletes going to school for free and generating money. No, in Ohio, students as young as five years old could get paid for attending school under a Ohio proposal in a bid to fight truancy. Wow. I, I can't believe that this is... Hey, look, again, we've all been there as kids. We didn't want to go to school at times. Plenty of times. I hated getting up at 6.15 to go to school. But students as young as five under this new pilot program mm. where the state would make biweekly $25 cash transfers to select kindergarten through ninth grade students just for showing up to class nine out of ten days in a two-week span. So they're even willing to give you a get-out-of-school-for-free card once every two weeks, but they will compensate you to fight against truancy. Students who keep a 90% a ninety percent attendance rate for the year would get $150 at the end of each quarter. So first marking period, I don't know, they still have marking periods. I think that's what they called them when I was in school. So $150 for each quarter and $700 at the end of the year. One of the sponsors, and this is getting bipartisan support, by the way, one of the sponsors of the bipartisan measure argued that cash would be a good incentive to fight truancy, which has been soaring in Ohio since before the COVID-19 pandemic. That, according to the State House News Bureau, they go on to say that, quote, we went from 15 percent pre-pandemic to over 31 percent in the most recent school year. That's almost a third of our ninth graders that spend their first year of high school missing more than 10% of their school days. This is the number one issue we are facing 
in education. That according to uh, Danny Isaac Cohen, a Cincinnati Democrat. Co-sponsored Rep. Bill Seitz, a Cincinnati Republican, told the Ohio House Primary and Secondary Education Committee that other motivational techniques have fallen short. So we've tried Pizza Day, and we've tried Playground Hours, Ah. and we've tried all kinds of other foo-foo stuff. It doesn't work, according to Seitz in this report. Let us talk about the immediacy of a payment in cash. Cash is king. Cold, hard cash. In God we trust, all others pay cash. Wow. I mean, I mean, soccer, you, I mean, you probably played hooky a lot. No. Just, I'm, just, just a guess on my How part. How dare you? I'm just guessing. How dare you insult me and insult my... But look, you still managed to be, you, made it, you became a brand manager. You can tip everybody under That's the true. sun now. You give your garbage men a lot of cash. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So this is ridiculous. And here's why it's ridiculous. Because where's this money coming from? Taxpayers, of course. So unless you are now, if, this, if they tried to pull a fast one like this in Pennsylvania, I mean, I would be completely outraged. If you want to take my current tax dollars for school and allocate the funds that we give up on a annual basis to begin with, okay, that's fine. I don't care. Once I give my tax dollars to you, um, you you do, and I'll obviously push back on certain programs and you know certain indoctrination type stuff and stuff like that. But if you have to scale back on teachers or cut some other sort of thing out to pay for this, okay, I might not agree with it, but I'm not paying more for it. And this is absurd that we are going to incentivize kids financially just to show up nine out of ten days every two weeks. Have you ever heard of a program as ridiculous as this? What I don't get here, my question is just a banking, parental, also parental rights question but until a child is 18, you technically cannot give these children cash. So technically, you would be, you would have to give the parents the cash and you have to have a documentation and the parents would be taxed on it. Mm-hmm. And so I have some technical questions about how they would do this because I don't think it's actually legal. It's- Great point. I have no idea how they would pull this off. They say some one and a half million dollars has been set aside for this pilot program, targeting at least one rural district and one urban district in both the 2024 and 2025 fiscal years. The program would also offer students $250 for graduating from select schools and up to $750 for graduates with high GPAs, that according to the Columbus Post-Dispatch, other students in a control group would not get the cash. If successful, the program could be expanded throughout the Buckeye State if it garnered the support of the legislature. So not only are we incentivizing financially for you to show up, then we're going to give you more money if you graduate, and on top of that, you get an even bigger bonus if you graduate, I guess, with high honors or, you know, if the, if the GPA scale is up to a 4.0. What are, so we're going to give kids 150, 250 bucks for getting a 3.8 or a 3.9. I mean, and then some of the quotes in here. We've tried pizza and playground. What, what, what are you talking to? Like, this is where the five-year-old <laughs> dynamic is coming into play. Like, you know, you're not going to incentivize school. I'm like, no 17-year-old is going to show up because, hey. We're going to give you an extended recess 
Like, no 16-year-old's like, yeah, oh, well, today's pizza, I'm going to... Like, but for a six-year-old, that might work. You know, you can con a little child with pizza. It, it It's just, it's so emblematic of, like... Now, little Johnny, do you want to go to school today? No, I don't want to go to... Okay, well, you know, you, you've, you're you speaking your truth to me, and that's fine, and you don't have to go to school if you don't want to, and maybe the teacher should pay you to go to school. That's that's what the... I know that's not what this is, but it it's just emblematic of this type of mindset, this type of behavior. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just... I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this was a powder keg waiting to explode, but I think the pandemic accelerated it tenfold. I just, it just see, and I know not every kid, most kids do go to school, I guess. So I'm not just generalizing here, but you see the numbers in Ohio where truancy pre pandemic was 15%. Now it's 31%. The, and we, and what do we talk about with, you know, the colleges? Now more than ever, people don't want to go to college. They mm-hmm. don't want to pay back their loans. Mm-hmm. They'd rather go to a trade school. Uh, you know, all the absurd stories with the Ivy Leagues. We're, we're getting to this point where it seems to me, and, and I'm, I'm all on board. If you want to go to a trade, like I'm not sitting here saying you have to go get a four-year degree and get your bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's degree. It ain't worth the paper it's written on. It's a complete waste of money. Um, and I'm, I'm not even using my degree, and I barely ever have used my degree 18 years removed from college. But we're just getting to the point now where I think today's generation is basically came to the conclusion, some of them, again, not all of them, that education is optional. The the biggest problem, first and foremost, the biggest problem I have with this, well, there are multiple problems at multiple levels, but the biggest problem is there's a major parental rights issue that I, I do not like the government the government saying, hey, we're bypassing. There's no conversation about the parents here. And they're just bypassing the parents and saying, well, students as young as five could get paid to show up to class and that they would somehow, and I don't know how this could possibly be legal, that they would give biweekly you know, cash transfers to kids. I don't see that as being legal and to me, it's a play of government trying to reach right into that five-year-old's mindset to say, hey, the government owes you money and you're going to get money from the government and conditioning that, that child to, to think about that connection. It almost feels like they're bribing them, right? It's, it's bizarre. It's, it's like not a legal, or, Nick. Or, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just not legal. Yeah. I, I don't understand how they could do that, number one. Number two... The fact that they don't have the conversation at all with the parents. Parents are the key to this. Parents are the key to getting their kids to school on time and making, I mean, every, you know, we get the reports from the school mm-hmm. and if, if somebody's late in a year, that would be a shocker. If somebody has is sick, you know, they have that and they have excused absences. There are zero unexcused absences in my kid's entire history. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. just doesn't happen. Right. And so that's because you, the parent, are involved. And so the fact that this is fl- the, the reason I know it's flawed, number one, it's not legal. Number two, they're not involving the parents in the conversation and they need to be look, they need to look into the why. What's going on? And they're saying mm-hmm. rural, rural districts, maybe this is a transportation issue. What's going on in school? What, what is, what is happening there that, and I know the pandemic is is in play here, but kindergartners have nothing to do with the pandemic. True. 
So to me, the issue is with the culture now of the parents. Mm-hmm. The parents have lost trust or value in their child's education, so they need to restore that trust. Well, and also some parents are just not involved with their child's lives, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they get off the bus and come home from school, and, you know, it's YouTube, it's TikTok, it's zoning out. The parent comes home, they hate work, they hate their career. I mean, they're not involved. They have no idea what the kid's up to, whether they did the homework, and probably don't even know if they get to school on time or make it at all unless the school notifies them that little Johnny was, uh, you know, not... I mean, I know with at our school with my girls... The moment, it's like any day they're off, I know at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 9 o'clock Central, I get a voicemail and a text message saying Mia or Olivia are absent from school today. So, Yeah, and it probably arrived while you were on air. You're seeing yeah, it yeah. at 10. Correct. Because that's when you get off air. But yeah. I- I'm sure that it probably was sent at 7.38 in the morning. Probably, yeah. Be- right? Because they're a good school and they, they value mom and dad. They yep. value the parents. All right, so that's Ohio. Let's go to North Carolina. Speaking of insanity, a North Carolina school has decided that they are going to ditch bathroom mirrors. That's correct. In a day and age where we are now putting tampon dispensaries and men's bathrooms in high schools, uh, we are now taking bathroom mirrors out of bathrooms uh, in North Carolina schools to prevent students from recording TikTok videos during class. That is correct. Yep. I'm telling you, this is why TikTok has to go, Stalker. I'm I'm onto something here. So Southern Elements Middle School uh, has said that they are now removing the bathroom mirrors. A North Carolina middle school has decided to remove bathroom mirrors, noting an uptick in students missing valuable class time. So again, maybe not truant. They're on school grounds, but they're in the bathroom. You know, back in Greg's day and my day, we'd go in there and smoke cigarettes and, you know, put graffiti on the back of a stall. Uh, But now the the new trend is to go into these lavatories Mm. and record TikTok videos in the bathrooms. Quote, students were going to the bathroom for long periods of time and making TikTok. Alamance Burlington School System spokesperson Les Atkins told WFMY, explaining that Southern Alamance Middle School in Graham, North Carolina, has now had to resort to removing the bathroom mirrors to eliminate the distraction. The school system said that, on average, students use the restroom between three to four times a day, but that frequency has steadily increased to between seven, eight, and even nine times a day. Since removing the mirrors, Atkins explained the school has been, quote, not as many visits to the bathroom, not staying as long, and students are held accountable. And when there's accountability, you see a great difference. Atkins explained the school system is trying to educate students on digital citizenship, end quote. Here's my takeaway on this. What, what TikTok and all of these other social media platforms have created, you talk about spending time staring at yourself in the mirror. We live in this world today where because of social media, everybody thinks they're a star. And they can become a star because they can monetize it. And if you can do that, God bless you, great on it. Uh, if you can make six figures uh, you know, as an influencer, all the power to you. But the amount of times, and I can speak to this directly, where I'm FaceTiming my daughters and we're having a conversation and I can tell that they are not looking at me in the phone, but they are looking up in the corner of the phone where the little box is with their, with their picture, with their reflection, where, they're, where they can see themselves. And I'm like, Olivia, did you hear what I just said? And she's staring into the phone. 
but I can tell you, what, where her eyes are. She's looking at herself the whole time. You got to get a handle on this, Kale. I, I do. You do. I do. But I'm telling you, we have we have created this self-absorbed society with posting TikToks well, and in, what's Instagram? Instagram is basically originally Instagram was what I know now. People share their political views and post like long messages, but originally it was like a selfie site, right? It was just, I'm going to take a selfie of myself, or I take a picture of my... That's what Facebook was originally, Yeah, posting pictures of your little baby. My question for this is, and a lot of people are saying this in the YouTube chat, I agree with it. Why go to the measures of taking away bathroom mirrors? Why not just take away their cell phones? I've said that many times on the show. If I was was the superintendent at a school, phones would be checked in before you enter your class. If you're in Mrs. Johnson's room for first period... You put your phone in a drop box or like a big, I don't know, just like bring a big laundry basket. Everybody put their phone on silent, toss it in the laundry basket. Yeah. You get it when you walk back I, out of my classroom. I just don't know why they're going to these measures to to put bathroom mirrors in or remove bathroom mirrors in schools when it, it seems to be a very simple fix. Just don't let them have their cell phones in class. I mean that. Well, okay. How? But let me let me ask you this. How many kids are doing this? The majority? No. So why this is one of those things that we we face in our workplaces and our lives that we're going to punish everybody in the school because of what 10%, 20% of the idiots who've decided to be like a freaking parakeet and go in the mirror and and do, you know, selfies and whatever they're doing in the bathroom. I so would say not, I would say it's not, higher. I, not, I think it's higher than 10 or yeah, 20%. But, okay, but let's say it's 30%. All of our laws are based on that. Like the reason we have to take our shoes off on by getting onto an I'm airplane, I'm simply saying that a- until my kid, I'm, I have parental rights. I'm letting my kid have their phone because you know what? They have discipline. They've well, been yeah, raised with discipline. Yeah, you've raised them correctly. So I'm simply saying the majority of these students are in class and they're doing what they need to do. So why not incentivize students do the opposite? Instead of making these overbearing rules, the school is allowed to have the rules. But why not just say for those of you who have discipline and you can you can reveal your level of discipline. You're acting like an adult. We trust you. You can keep your phone in your pocket. Guess what? The minute you act like an idiot and you go in the bathroom and parakeet with the mirror or whatever you're doing with social media, unfortunately, then you go to the place where, you know, all the idiots' phones are locked up. But for the rest of you who are acting appropriately and you're disciplined and you're paying attention in class and you're not being disruptive, we're not going to punish you. And make it an incentivized situation. That way, that way, believe, trust me on this. This would work to incentivize them. That's it. Here's, I think, the underlying issue. I think today's generation is so easily distracted. Nobody has an attention span. I've said it for years. The the smartphone has made us stupid. We, We just, we can't, we... We live in a society where you are just programmed now to have this thing in your hand at all time. It's like an addiction. It's like smoking or drinking or get, you can't help it. You don't even know you're doing it. How many times are you in a setting where there's zero reason for you to have your phone in your hand or to reach for your phone or to go for the phone and you see somebody just go over there and it, it's, it, it's almost become a crutch in society to avoid social interactions with people. I think today's communication is awful. I think people have lost their 
personal Agreed. skills Agreed. to stare at somebody yep. face-to-face and have a chat yep. and not have, like, anxiety. We just live in this world where, like, we got so accustomed to the whole world being in our fingertips. Yep. And, I'm like, if I'm a teacher, I'm like, if you can't go 45 minutes without looking at your phone in Mr. Kale's geometry 10th grade class... That's a you problem. I can't help you. It certainly wouldn't be Mr. Cow's English class. That's correct. Because <laughs> we would be running and ranting the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so true. But I, I just will say this. That with teenagers and, and with anybody, I mean, it's just human nature. Yeah. I, I simply believe that if you give students the opportunity mm-hmm. and you incentivize them, and you treat them with respect, yeah. and you say, and give the power to the teachers, right? And this is why I always say all this stuff, this extra stuff that they're lobbing on for teachers, mm-hmm. teachers have to do pronouns and have to keep track of all this stuff. Teachers have, look at what you're talking about. Teachers have enough on their plate. Oh, yeah. They don't need to worry about all the other stuff. No doubt. Leave that to somebody else. But with this one, empower those teachers, embolden them, that the teacher absolutely has the right mm-hmm. To take away your cell phone and lock it up and turn it over to the principal's office. And when you show that you can be a respectful individual, then you can get it back. But if if you incentivize, especially teenagers, but all kids in that regard, Mm -hmm. they will know freedom. They will they will understand that. And I'm I know that it works because I have I have teenagers. I have a teenage. You know, my teenagers, their phones have never been taken away by an overbear by a rule but the teachers have all every time have always had the right mm-hmm. the absolute support to take away that phone and guess what the third time they have to take it away the parents have to come to school to get it and then there's a bigger conversation with the parents but the parents are key to all of this yeah and so what i see with with everything that we're talking about the problem is in the parenting mm-hmm. and the pandemic and what and what struck with the parents. Oh, it's, it's all parenting. You're, you're so spot. And I've tried to become like the phone police when I'm around my girls. Case in point, a couple of weeks ago when they were up here for Christmas, we had a family board game night. So we played Monopoly. We played Life. I feel like I'm like 100 years old saying this. We, <laughs> we, we played Life and Monopoly and we played Shoots and Ladders. By the way, Shoots and Ladders, totally underrated game. And they both had their phones at the at the kitchen table as we were playing the game. And I looked at him and I said, what are you doing with the phones? And she was like, oh, what, what, what? I don't know what the excuse was. I said, no, you don't need the phone. We're playing life. We're playing. I'm going to get, I'm going to put up a hotel on boardwalk and I'm taking all your money. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Well, you're, and the phones were gone. Well, you're texting and tweeting. I'm going to uh, take all of your money. That's correct. <laughs> As I'm looking at it. It's a good life lesson, it by really the way. Is. It's a good life lesson. Yeah. Just take away the devices. They don't need to be at the table for every single thing we do. All right, enough of me. Let's get to uh, the Morning Mystery movie clip. And now, the Morning Mystery movie clip on Kale & Company. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. But you were basically the worst parent ever. Me? I did everything for you, buddy. And I never gave you an ounce of <laughs> about nothing. You never gave me nothing. I gave you a snake. Yeah, and then it died after it ate all your quaaludes. That was the only time anybody's ever seen a King Cobra laugh. And I take pride in that. So you know what I do remember? You making me drive you home from the beach because you got too drunk. That makes sense to me. When somebody's hammered, they'd have another guy drive home. I was eight. 
But you looked 14 because you were such a huge fat f- <laughs> <laughs> Think you know what it is? Be call it 12 at 855-839-1210. Nick. And you could win this great prize. Yeah. These are the parents that we'd be giving parental r- rights and responsibilities to. <laughs> exactly right. Wow, what a clip. All right, so caller 12-855-839. You will win a copy of All the Light We Cannot See, a novel by Anthony Dewar. Hopefully I didn't butcher that last name. I'm sure you did. Uh, D-O-E-R-R. Uh, a book about a blind French girl and a German boy whose paths collide in occupied France as both try to survive the devastation of World War II. It's also a Netflix limited series, but you will get a copy of the book, All the Light We Cannot See, if you are caller 12 with the correct answer to that movie. 855-839-1210. Back after this. This is the Kale and Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. What's on the cut sheet part due on the way in just a matter of moments. And also, if you listen to the show all the way to the finish line each and every day, you know we always wrap up the show in the final five minutes with... What's on tap for the Dawn Show, yep. and who won Twitter and YouTube today? But I have been told mm-hmm. that we have a new element, a new feature that yes. we will, a new wrinkle, so to speak. Indeed. Coming up uh, in between what's on tap for the Dawn Show and who won social media today. So stay tuned for that, because that's uh, just about 20 minutes away. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And I kind of like this, too. So this will be a lot of fun that we'll have each uh, each and every day on the show. All right. Uh, Greg is in Chestnut Hill. He's also in the studio next to me. But <laughs> Greg from Chestnut Hill is our winner today on the Morning Mystery Movie Clip because he has identified the movie correctly. Greg, good morning. How are you, buddy? Hi, uh, Nick. Dawn, Greg. That, was, that movie is one of the funniest, most idiotic, <laughs> hilarious Dumb movies that we need more of. Yep, and that's that's my boy. That is correct. That's my that, boy. That's my boy, Greg. And, and that's you have to, I watched that with my son, who's night, who's twenty. Excuse me. And he, I don't think I've seen him laugh like that ever in his life. <laughs> and he turned, he turned to me. He said, "Is this what the movies were like back then?" I said, "They were exactly right." And then I said, "And then go back to the the beer commercials and the Super Bowl commercials." You'll have that same humor. Yep. And everything went smooth. No one was trying to teach us a lesson. Yeah, you're so right. You're exactly they right. They probably wouldn't they wouldn't make that movie. They probably wouldn't make this movie anymore other than a small market because it's it's because it's too funny. Yeah. It's the equivalent of the three stooges. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, it is. It would be right so, to it would be right to Netflix. They would not be out in the mainstream for sure. Greg, congratulations. You got the book All the Light We Cannot See and that novel about a blind French girl and a German boy who were um colliding paths in occupied France during World War Two. So thank you very much for playing, Greg, and thank you Boy, for listening. Boy, that probably sounds riveting. <laughs> I'm trying to sell it here. <laughs> no, I'm, trying, know, I'm trying to just, sell come it. Come on, I'm, I'm, I gotta I'm work with what, I gotta work with what I'm giving. <laughs> yeah, I can't. We can't be giving out thousand dollar gift cards every week. <laughs> I'm. Mean, who approved that one? I don't know. You forwarded me the email. <laughs> <I know>. though. <laughs> it's on me. Everything. Every, everybody. Everybody can just blame me. Exactly. Everybody does anyway. All right. Uh, Nine thirty-four. Let's get to a Monday installment. Fresh off of all the weekend shows. What's on the cut sheet? Part two? What's on the cut sheet? I do. 
What's on the Country Bart News? Sponsored by Tommy D's Home Improvement Center. Renovating a kitchen or building one from the ground up, Tommy D's Home Improvement Center is your go-to for quality kitchen cabinets, flooring, and molding at affordable rates. Visit their showroom in Philadelphia or visit their website at TommyD's.com. That's TommyD's.com. Thank you, Tommy D's, for sponsoring the ever-important Monday edition of What's on the Country Part 2. Uh, speaking of the Sunday show, so this happened actually on Friday, Friday. Uh, John Fetterman... <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's Is happening. Is it happening again? He's He went on Jake Tapper's program. And uh, basically, you know, Tapper was asking him about being called out by liberals for a lot of his stances on things. And he goes, I don't know when supporting Israel or wanting a, a closed border or a, a secure border, I think is what he said, you know, became so controversial. But then he was talking about um, uh, the American dream being threatened by 300,000 illegals uh, swarming the southern border. And I was like, what John Fetterman is this, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, This is him with Jake Tapper on uh, Friday. Cut 11, Phil, go. I saw a poll that indicated you have very high approval among Democratic voters and this information in Pennsylvania and this information came along with the tag that Twitter is not real life, because obviously a lot of progressives on Twitter have been attacking you for your position on Israel, uh, for noting that, in your opinion, um, saying that there is a crisis at the border does not make one uh, xenophobic. Um, Why do you think you've been so criticized by so many progressives? I I honestly don't understand. I I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we we need a secure border. Uh, I've been very clear. In fact, that was weaponized against me as Republicans in my race, that I'm very much a a strong supporter of immigration. And, you know, my my wife's family, that's the uh, Oregon story about that. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> you can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really, I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border wow. to do that. And I think we need to, to re, do a reset and we have to work together. Uh, and develop uh, a new comprehensive solution to that. And that would also unlock a lot of the critical aid for Ukraine. Again, we cannot forget about Ukraine. That's that's critical uh, for Israel and Taiwan. That's a very important kind of standard that we have to maintain, that we're going to support and stand with our allies. He was championed by the progressives. Yeah. He was their pet project. John Fetterman, the everyman, the left-wing progressive. And then all of a sudden, post-recovery from stroke, yep. he is hated by squad Dems now. He, I mean, he said it there. He's being attacked by his own progressives on Twitter. And he's like, Twitter is not real life. Yep. Which I think I've heard that from somebody on this program. Can we stop getting our news from Twitter? You know what's really remarkable? <laughs> And I know this has no chance of happening, but how crazy would it be if if Fetterman continues the slide further and further, right? Where we get to 2027 and everyone's like, you know what? No, DeSantis, you're still not the guy. Nikki, you're still not the guy. What if Fetterman just became a Republican? What if it he's was not, Fetterman versus Newsom? He's not there yet. I, I mean, he's, you know, just because he's starting to sound a little moderate on things, you know, he's still a he's still a dyed in the wool Democrat. Yeah, I know. So, 
Um, I just think it's, I think it's interesting. And for anybody who, you know, I've said this for a while now, anybody who followed his policies over the years in Braddock and up there and, you know, uh, the, 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 the Pittsburgh area. Yep. He, he's, you know, he's always been this kind of moderate Democrat. It's kind of when he went to, uh, when he ran for Senate that he became like this progressive champion. It's almost like he realized that he could scoop up an additional chunk of people. And again, like the squad, like the squad Dems and these progressive, they, they've hijacked the party, but they're not the majority. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he used that tactically for his own benefit, for political purposes to get in. And then it's kind of reverted back to what he is and what you've claimed he is, which is more of just a moderate to classic liberal type Democrat. But it's it's just, you know, think about all the big issues where he's echoing the Republican talking points. He's doing it on Israel. He's doing it on the border. I mean, if he starts rattling off like economical talking points that are Republican talking points, they're going to have to muzzle him. Yeah. Um, Nikki Haley was confronted uh, by a voter at a Chick-fil-A in New Hampshire, and it did not go well for her. <laughs> this, uh, this, this gentleman uh, said to her what I think a lot of, especially our listeners, are feeling about Nikki Haley. Uh, this is cut eight, cut eight A, I guess it is, Phil. Uh, Nikki Haley, cut eight A, go. Can I ask you just like a tiny question? Do you think it's responsible for politicians to spend like a hundred million dollars in Iowa on TV ads which go to mainly news stations that have lied to us for years when there's homeless veterans out there that could use that money when you didn't even come close to beating Trump? And you spent like a hundred million in TV ad money. Man. Do you know my husband's veteran? That's fine. But I'm just saying. I'm and do you know that you, when the media doesn't tell the truth, the whole reason you put commercials on is to tell the truth because yeah, the media doesn't. My point is, you're not going to be Trump, and <laughs> all of the money you're wasting could go to better so, causes. I appreciate that. would make that. the Republican Party actually. Oh, no, you know what? Last I saw it was yeah. a democracy. So we're going to keep working yeah. for a good democracy. Right. We're going to work for freedom. But thank you for your service. Basically, quit your career, stop spending money on your ads, and give it all to the homeless is what I tried to say. You're not going to beat Trump. Yes, she's not going to beat Trump. Although I did kind of like the response. I mean, you know, if you're going to advertise, I mean, you've got to reach, you know, if you want to win some of the undecideds out there, that little sliver out there that's independent, that's moderate, that could be open-minded. I mean, I I don't blame her for where she's spending her money, so to speak. That's not like an ambush job there. Yeah, but it, uh, look, it went viral because, you know, it's the, he's saying a lot of what the, the people are, the MAGA base is feeling. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Um, we played this earlier, but I'm going to play it again for those tuning in later. Uh, Ron DeSantis dropped uh, dropped out of the race uh, yesterday uh, on a Sunday news dump at 3 o'clock when the playoff game started. Um, he made this he made this announcement. It was it was about six or seven minutes, but we pulled about 90 seconds of it. Uh, he tr- he he quoted Churchill, but then he he also endorses Trump and he trashes Nikki Haley as a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism. Mm-hmm. I thought that was uh, that was a nice way of saying it. Yep. Uh, this is cut nine. Phil, go. Me, why I decided to run for president to fight for those who have been forgotten in this country. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. 
We can choose reckless borrowing and spending, or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination, or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border, and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble, and our kids to be indoctrinated. The D.C. elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you, and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Reversing the decline of this nation requires leadership that delivers big results for the people we are elected to serve. I have a record of leading with conviction, championing an agenda marked by bold colors, delivering on my promises, and defeating the people who are responsible for our nation's decline. That is the type of leadership we need for all of America. Now, over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. He's basically referring to the Bushes and the McCains of the world. I think he, he made a good point when he talked about Trump there with the stymied, relentless resistance that Trump faced. But there's still so many cheesy elements to his delivery there. <laughs> like, we left it all out on the field. Like, who are you playing in the NFC Championship, bro? Come in. I mean, come on. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I hope that I just hope that Trump DeSantis supporters all unite together. DeSantis supporters come back to Trump and the Trump base welcomes them back because it's going to be all hands on deck to beat the Bidens and Democrats. One more. uh, Trump did a Biden impression in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, I thought you guys would want to hear this. This is cut 10. Phil, go. Election interference. That's what they're doing now. He's got nothing he can run on. He always says... Donald Trump is a threat. <laughs> He's a threat to democracy. That's right. That's right. 
MAGA. MAGA. We've got to stop MAGA. What does MAGA mean, Joe? Uh, make America great again. We've got to stop Make America great. Think of it. We've got to stop Make America great again. But I don't do too much imitation of him because every time I do it, every single time, they have it on television, like uh, fake NBC, fake CBS, fake ABC, ABC. Not to mention CNN, MSDNC. There you go. MSDNC. <laughs> yeah. When you have the delivery that Trump has, it's hard for you to do any impersonations that don't automatically sound just like yourself, but not a bad effort. We, we should try to get our buddy Sean Farash to do a Biden impersonation. He does a pretty good Trump. I wonder if he can do a Biden. By the way, SNL trotted out their little Trump impressionist over the weekend. Yeah, he, God, he's awful. I mean, we have the best Trump impersonator out there. I why, know. Why do we need SNL? Right? I know. Because we have the best one here on Talent Company. Damn right. Yeah. That guy's just awful. I don't even know who that is. Terrible cast members. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for What's on the Cut Sheet Part Do We will come back and wrap it up with Who Won Twitter Today? What's on Tap for the Dawn Show? And the debut of This Day in music history. How about that? Mm. Stay there. We unveil it next. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company as we wind things down here on this Monday morning. The Dawn Show, eight minutes out. And we find out what she has in store for 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah, we have a lot going on. We have uh, Trump is now they're reporting expected to testify in in his own defense in this case a civil trial involving E. Jean Carroll and um, there there are some upsets within that regard so we'll we'll talk about that and focus on his day of being in the court and also trying to you know be in New Hampshire campaigning. So campaigning and court and the back and forth continues as we're one day ahead of New Hampshire. We'll talk about local politics as well as we do have a primary election coming up here in April, believe it or not. And so we'll talk about Pennsylvania politics as well moving forward. And the latest in the city after a very violent weekend We'll, we'll uh, take that down as well. All coming up on the Dawn Show. All right. Uh, we'll find out who won Twitter and YouTube in a moment. But first, time for the debut mm. of this week, or no, this day. This day. In music history. What happened on this day in music history? Music history. On Kaylee Company. Today, January 22nd, we celebrate the birthdays of Steve Perry of Journey, Michael Hutchins of Excess. Steven Adler of GNR, and Steve Riley of Wasp and L.A. Guns. Notable albums released on this day include Iron Butterflies and Spirits' debut in 1968. Hall Notes released Rich Girl as a single in 1977. And on this day in 72, Don McLean's American Pie reached number one and stayed there for seven weeks. For Kale and Company, I'm Phil Lomquist. There we go. Look at that. I like that. It's awesome. Not bad. He- he came to me with this idea, and I'm like, you know you're hitting my yeah, my sweet spot with the music stuff. Yes, so. indeed. He told me nothing about it, but I mean, he came to you <laughs> with it. I found out when the audience found out. That's pretty did. good. You did. American Pie, huh? Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. And Rich Girls? What was that? Uh, what was that? Who sang the Rich Girls that he mentioned there? Uh, Phil, can you can you shed any light on that real quick? I didn't hear it. Like, I, oh, was, didn't. I was doing something else. That's there. all right. Yeah, rich girls. I didn't marry any of them. 
<laughs> that was going to be my joke. All right, that'll do it for that, and uh, we will do that each and every day in between what's on tap for the Dawn Show and who won Twitter today. Who won Twitter? I'm going to give it to Mark, uh, Marcus Aurelius. He says, Nick, is this the end of the mustard soundbite? Say it no, ain't so. No, look, the Sanctimonious has been retired. <laughs> the Sanctus has been retired, but... Mustard. That'll live on you, forever. You, um, yeah, you... you Pleaded or pled for unity. I did. But you're still going to... Yes. Yeah. yeah, look, we're not going to... One of DeSantis's shining moments was talking about his condiments for hot dogs. You think we're going to take that <laughs> off the board? The audience loves that. I get DMs from people that I don't even know that say, just mustard. <laughs> and I just respond back, mustard. Does the uh, does the Metallica thing, is that still on there too? Uh, yes, it is. Mustard. <laughs> Master. And that'll live on as well. Thank you. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us on this Monday. Stay tuned. The Dawn Show is coming up next. We're back tomorrow morning at 6. And as our soon-to-be Republican senator would famously say. Good night, everybody. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.